The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit voicesofwrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway, in a brand new day, gotta let it go. Open the Voice Gate for May 24th, 2022. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network feed or our own dedicated podcast feed on all podcast platforms and applications. You can follow us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. If you'd like to donate to the show, click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to our redcircle.com landing site. You click the red box that says sponsor this podcast and you can set up a one-time or reoccurring donation. No obligation whatsoever, but we would like to thank all of our previous donors. I'm one of your hosts. It's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears. Join alongside, as always, my co-host and friend, Case Lowe. And, buddy, how are you doing? I'm good. It's uh, nice that Dragon Gate is in the headlines, even if perhaps it's for not wrong reasons, but incorrect reasons this week. This is a busy show. There's a lot to discuss here. Yeah, so we've got a lot on this week's program uh i just want to make sure you're doing okay first you know mental health check time you know oh i mean it's never good Uh, you know it's it's fine it could always be better it's been worse before but it's it's a a steady line of fine in my life right now what about you let me check in with you let me hear you let me see you let you know that i'm listening how are things going (laughs) in your world dude i got back from my hometown for the first time in 15 years this weekend you, you have a spring in your in your voice i can hear that there's some life there's some liberty there is perhaps a pursuit to happiness in your voice yeah so i had a very uh i i don't want to say a tough relationship with my hometown growing up but i was someone that very clearly as soon as i got to college I was like i'm never coming back here but i and i haven't been back since my little brother graduated from high school but 15 years later i came back and you know my hometown fort worth it decided, like, in 2007 that it actually went ahead stuff to do for people who aren't cowboy enthusiasts, which was nice to see. I'm uninterested in any place that doesn't cater to cowboys. I am interested in diving into that lifestyle at some point. I do think my home should eventually be on the range, and Fort Worth does sound lovely. Buddy, uh, you get to Fort Worth. We, we, doing Touring Open the Voice Gate shows. We'll do one from the stockyards. You can get all Western wear it up. 
you know, it, it, it'll be a great time, you know, talking about Dragon Gate <laughs> to the Dallas Fort Worth <laughs> Metroplex. Oh, you know what? Let me, uh, I, not that we ever uh, do shout outs on this show, but let me do a shout out real quick. I ordered some clothing from, and I want to get the URL correct, uh, darkmedicine.com, who is an outfitter for a bunch of punk and hardcore bands. Uh, in the scene, I ordered some shirts for the band One Step Closer and the band Anxious. I highly recommend you check them out. And on my order form that was sent with my package, uh, there was a little note that said from one Dragon Gate fan to another, enjoy your merchandise. And I and I think I know oh, who that yeah. was. Um, but nevertheless, whoever that was, that made my day. That was really cool to read. So thank you for doing that. Shout out to, to, to uh, Dark Medicine. Go there, get some merch. If you don't know those bands uh, that they sell, I highly recommend looking into those bands, especially One Step Closer, Anxious, Pay for Pain, and The Chisel, Oi Oi, some of my favorites on that website. But that was very nice to read, so thank you to whoever wrote that. Yeah, that rocks. I'm right now looking on this, and, you know, uh, a, a friend of ours, I would say, Wickaface on there, too. So, you know, man, it, uh, it yeah, could... so maybe we can get some sort of a voice gate cross uh, dark medicine thing going for us get some merch going <laughs> that, is, that, that would that would be uh <laughs> that'd be big for me that'd be that'd be very much my brand that'd be nice to accomplish that <laughs> i mean especially with your summer plans like you kind of like well, what better thing just kick Oof, it off boy you know i was on a date a few weeks ago um of course one date only first date no second date um and the restaurant that we went to, I didn't go to my usual spot because it was closed that week. Of course, I looked to make reservations there, but I, the place that we ended up going was BYOB, which I don't, I'm weirded out by restaurants that do that anyways, but, you know, she had asked me like, oh, should I bring white wine? Should I bring red wine? I was like, look, I don't care what you do. I don't drink. And I kind of left it at that. And I could tell looking back at the text after the fact that I kind of made it seem like I was in recovery and not just like a weird straight edge kid. And then she brought this non-alcoholic beer for us and we sat down and she was so excited for me to try. She's like, it tastes just like beer, right? I was like, I don't know. I've never had beer. And she was confused by that. And then I proceeded to walk her through what being straight edge is uh, punk rock, this punk rock, that, and it was a very brief explanation. I don't enjoy doing that, but there was like 120 <laughs> seconds that I can get through of like, okay, here's why I am the way that I am. He, here are these influences that have made me unbearable to be around. <laughs> no, I, I, I go through that with, with partners a lot. I understand. Yeah. So I, I get to the end of my summary of, you know, it's, it's not that I'm against it. I, I'm all for, you know, not legalizing some stuff, decriminalizing other stuff. Uh, I, I think it's great that people do it. I just, I personally don't have interest in doing it. And it gets kind of quiet for a second. And she looks at me and this, is, this is a woman who is uh, very outgoing, very extroverted, very quick to tell someone how she feels about them, both in a positive and a negative way. And she looks at me and she goes, are you fucking with me? That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. You can't be serious, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, so, so I'm sorry that she doesn't support you, but I would like to say that rules. No, it was fantastic. I was like, no, I it's it's saying she's like, I don't I don't know anything about punk rock. This sounds so dumb. Like, why would anybody do this? I like, I don't, I don't know. I guess I, I it's hard for me to make friends anyways, but I might as well have this one thing that makes it really, really hard to make friends. And then halfway through the day, she's like, well, you know, I'm moving to Mexico in October. And I was like, okay, all right. So not a long-term thing. Good to wrap my head around that now. And uh, it definitely proved out to, uh, proved to not be a long-term thing. Hey, I mean, it, it, it's something that, you know, we all have stuff that we both, uh, that, that, 
I think individually we all loathe about ourselves. And then when we expose that to people, you just are immediately like, well, we're just getting this out of here immediately. And then, yeah, we'll- I, I, I would like to develop hobbies that are inviting instead of alienating at some point. I haven't <laughs> necessarily hit that point in my One life day. yet. I did, you know, we have a lot to get to. We have a lot of important stuff to get to. This is, of course, the most important thing that I, I have to fill the Open the Voice Gate listeners in on. There's been so much lore over the past year, year and a half about the Grand Hamada Universal Lucha Libre poster that hangs in my studio apartment that I was so happy when I bought it and then I hung it up and realized, okay, not only is this directly across from my bed in this already very small apartment, but now the prospect of inviting a woman over and you know hopefully having a good time with her but also this this poster of a it's a universal lucha libre poster from 1990 hanging above us is not the best look and i was rearranging some stuff in my apartment and i i had the the game time decision the gut instinct to move that poster kind of into the corner in which i record so it could you know i could still have it up but it would be less on display and I went to move the poster and I ripped it. And thus the Hamada poster no. is no more. And no, you know, on one hand, that was God's message. Like, hey, you're already behind the eight ball. I'm <laughs> trying the best I can be yourself, but also be realistic. Maybe this poster needs to come down, which I, I get no argument from me, but it is losing a genuine wrestling like old school wrestling artifact which crushed me having to throw that poster away because it just it looked bad there was no use for it i'm not going to have a a poster that's not hung up also in my apartment throwing that away made me genuinely sad just because i felt like we were losing a piece of history but the hamada poster is no more now the ah, ultimo dragon the biggest news that we'll talk about today <laughs> like uh, of <laughs> I, were you not able to like salvage it was it was the tear just like straight it, across like it, was it, it, it it was a tear across the bottom and uh it's all it's it was you know it already although i thought it looked very good i could understand why somebody would think that even in the condition that it came in it was not a very good looking poster and i made the decision i said i i think this is a sign i think i need to get rid of this now all of the Japanese magazines stay. The Ultimo Dragon autograph is still on my counter, and the uh, miniature figurines of Ultimo, Hamada, Fujinami, and Milano are still very present next to the Morrissey Funko Pop that is in my apartment. I, it's you know hard to believe I have trouble meeting people sometimes when you lay out <laughs> that as the, the collectibles <laughs> that you have in your apartment. Uh, but the Hamada poster is no more the end of an era. Rest in peace to that. Well, now... I don't even know if if I really want to continue on with the show this week, Case. Eh? Isn't that such a bummer? I was so yeah. sad that I had to throw that away. It really it really bummed me out. That stinks. That stinks. I'm sorry, buddy. That's okay. Well, we have ginormous news to get to, and you, Mike Spears, are more tuned into this story and have more info than I think anybody else on it. So I want to give you the runway and let you speak for a little bit. Okay, I had to take a sip of my liquid death severed lime before we get into this. So, and just before you get into that, just drink report. I am drinking a Body Armor Edge Berry Blitz. This is the Body Armor uh, drink with caffeine and electrolytes, and it is quite good. I recommend it. Well, it has electrolytes. Of course. It's great. <laughs> you can really taste the electrolytes. You, you, you can taste the radness there. Yeah, so... 
Uh, this really broke yesterday uh, with uh, Wrestling Observer Live. Brian Alvarez and Mike Semper VV reported this. But I have a little bit of a history with this story, with what's happening here. So I'm trying to think of, of how to really kick this off here. So uh, I'll just say what Alvarez was reporting. So on Wrestling Observer Live, which you can listen online, I, I did, and as Case gonna knows, I did Terrence Grime these segments for us. Uh, uh, he mentioned that he had an update on Dragon Gate Noah, and this was at the top of the show. Later on, he said there's another issue in Japan involving Noah and Dragon Gate, and then he t- asked Mike, when was the last time we covered Dragon Gate? And started talking about the interpromotional stuff between Dragon Gate and Noah. Nothing, inac- nothing incredibly inaccurate there. Then he does a huge tangent on Forbidden Door and comes back to Dragon Gate and Noah, and here is the crux of this right here. It starts at 6.55, from yesterday, May 23rd, 2022's Wrestling Observer Live. The way it was described to me, this is Brian Alvarez speaking, the way it was described to me, the way someone approached me and they wanted to get the story out. The, the magazines always side with the promotions referring to Tokyo Sports and the various periodicals in Japan, which is, I could validate that's true. It, it, so it doesn't do very much good uh, going to the Japanese media. There's a phrase basically saying if if an aggrieved wrestler wants to bury their career through Tokyo Sports, and they will gladly hand you the shovel to do so. But they want to get the story out here, thinking that if they went to the Western media, then maybe people in Japan would hear about it. And this is all about Nasawa Rongai, naturally. And at Sun 41, he mentions that uh, Nosawa is the inter- is the booker of the interpromotional stuff and is with Noah. The Dragon Gate wrestlers, according to Brian Alvarez and this wrestler who allegedly contacted him, uh, were all unhappy to a, to a number with what's going on because Nosawa has his hand in everything and Brian mentions King of Gate. Later on, he says, all the wrestlers are very upset and miss the old booking committee and then Brian proceeds to make an insane comparison about power dynamics and Forbidden Door, but the crux of it is that it was a whole lot of unhappiness, and then Mike Sempervivi uh, pitched that he was going to talk about this more on Mike and Adam's big audio nightmare, talking about Noah's resigning, and Sempervivi his only big thought on Observer Live yesterday was this didn't make any sense. So, this was uh, aggregated incorrectly on Reddit. This is something that I'll get into my my history with the story and what we have discovered in a minute. But Case, do you have any thoughts about that Observer story before I go through what was said on Big Audio Nightmare? It immediately didn't pass our smell test. It sounded inaccurate, both uh, the idea of Nozawa gaining power in Dragon Gate and especially the idea of him really having his fingers all over King of Gate which, as we talked about last week, has been such an extraordinarily true-to-form Dragon Gate tournament. And I don't know, you know, what ideas come from where. I mean, we've been covering this promotion. I've been covering it alone for, you know, eight years, let alone the work that you've done. And it is still incredibly difficult at times to pinpoint whose idea was what in terms of the creative process behind Dragon Gate. But Nozawa gaining power... Nozawa having huge influence. None of that seemed right to me, and none of that seemed right to you either. Yeah. So I'm going to get into what was said on the Big Audio Nightmare before I take myself back, and I'll talk about my thoughts and my relationship to this because I do have a relationship to this. 
So Big Audio Nightmare, this is not paid wall. I don't think either of these are paid wall with the Observer, just so people know uh, that they made a big point about how this was now no longer paid wall. They're talking about it. Adam talked about uh, wanting to piggyback off of the Wrestling Observer Live. This starts at 5.09. And then basically for the next minute talks about the ouster. Adam Summers hates Nosawa and him showing up in Dragon Gate. More comments about ruffling the Dragon Gate office. And then later Mike said it ruffles on the uh brian it ruffles the office and then he made a joke about why did brian alvarez get this and then both brian and adam claimed that brian had sourcing and so does Meltzer, and they shilled for the future podcast on wrestling observer radio that would have happened last night i guess but it didn't uh, nothing else was talked about it they mentioned that nosawa's tentacles were more than they wish mike keeps it as an influence that nosawa has an influence over decision making which might be a fair shake to a little bit as you're talking about weekend. It's one of those things that it's an amalgamation, you know. And, if if somebody oh, told me Nozawa has booking uh, influence rather over everything that Peros is doing, and that perhaps he convinced, say, the open the Triangle Gate match at Dead or Alive against Gold Class, I could believe a story in which Nozawa, the great politicker that he is, got his way when there was a fork in the road moment there. So that's not that's not crazy to think that he has influence over Peros booking specifically, but I, I right. digress. Please continue. Yeah, and that wouldn't be unusual if you are an independent act coming to a company. You're you're going to want to try to protect yourself. Like that's just a human interest there. Uh, then they talked about Nosawa's uh, uh, Mexican money, Mexican money that the story about when Nosawa got fired by Noah that uh, allegedly he had some money to bring uh, that was from Mexico that to start a lucha influence promotion, and if it's not true. And then they talked about why this person leaked this to the West. Uh, Mike did mention VOW has people who would know about this. Hi, Simp. And then uh, Adam Summers asked us to imagine uh, uh, us as a wrestler and looking at this scenario, talking about the young wrestlers being elevated and points to King of Gate as this when, as we have said over the last few weeks, this is a true to form Dragon Gate, King of Gate, not really any Nosawism in here. Uh, Adam talks about what Dragon Gate does uh, with uh, no- young talent versus Noah and booking. And then Mike closes out the segment at 1149 talking about shares of the marketplace and how Dragon Gate needs more of it. Yeah, we've been saying that pretty consistently since the start of the podcast. He's a lot more fair about this than I'd say. Uh, it, 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 he kind of says that Brian has sources, but it. But but the fact that he says that Brian's has sources sourcing about this is pretty dire when I, I I think we can transition to the next part of it because I do have sourcing on this. Case you do as well. We have multiple sources about this when this broke. So timeline now, Case. Uh, do you have any more thoughts about the uh, Big Audio Nightmare transcript before we move on? Well, I'll speak to sourcing here just real quick. Uh it, it This puts me in a tough position where I want to choose my words really carefully because I I really respect Brian. I have no relationship with him. He doesn't know who I am. I really don't trust his sources. Uh, I know just from covering Drangit as long as I have just how hard it is to get any sort of non-kayfabe response. I mean, I, I went through it a few weeks ago. I reached out to somebody on the roster and the... Uh, broken English that I got back was, you know, I can't tell you that. Like, we're we're not allowed to speak on this sort of stuff. I think that's something that, you know, while we continue to get 
to get leaks and news and gossip from New Japan and NOAA. And at least on the, on the side of what Joe Lanza reports on the flagship Patreon, I believe that 100% because one, Joe has a track record of being right pretty much all of the time. But also, this will sound like a cop-out, but you and I talk a lot about just how Drangate is different and how the culture of this company is different than anything else in Japan. And that stays true to here. I don't think people realize just on a day-to-day basis, how much kayfabe is protected in this company. It's why it's so hard on this show when there are, you know, sometimes conflicts or backstage drama that comes up. It's so hard to get sourcing because I am led to believe that these guys are told, hey, you know, it, let's let's not talk to reporters if we don't have to. But the good news is, in this case, Open the Voice Gate does have sourcing that we can trust from within Dragon Gate. Right, so... Uh, sourcing uh, people in Dragon Gate and around Dragon Gate about this. But I want to take a step back and really, like, the thing that, Case, you dealt with me when this came out in here. The thing that got really hot about this is this is a story that kind of started over the weekend. Like, I was in Texas getting DMs about this because someone, basically, there was someone. I do know the I I do know allegedly who the wrestler is. We're not going to talk about that there. We're absolutely not. That's just beyond the pale in my in my form of ethics to do that but that this wrestler uh reached out to a bunch of people basically said please email me here i want to talk about things and uh just to peel back the curtain a little bit case pretty often i get asked to vet things and it's like hey mike you have sourcing and i'm certain you do too case that it's like hey uh can you take a run at this talk to your people and see if this is actually something i should go with and I was asked to vet this this weekend, and I immediately went to my sources within the company, and they said, oh, yeah, no, no, Sal was not booking. Come on. And this is the same source who has said this pretty much for a whole month, and then unprompted, like, just, like, a day later said, just to be clear, I want you to, to be clear about this. There's nothing to this. There's a lot of bullshit being spread about here. So... There is, I think there's a lot there. So I, when I talked to my source, got back to the person who asked me to vet this case, I said, I would not stick my neck out on this. I would sit on this for a few days. This does not pass my spell test and my sourcing is conflicting on it. And we sat on it until Brian Alvarez, who must have got, to be clear here, I have not seen the email. I have not seen the message for this. So I'll get into the stuff about the email later on, but just to be clear, I've not seen this, but I was asked to do this, and then we sat on it. For the, the person who asked me to vet it and myself, we both independently decided uh, we would not run with this. And I think it's for a good reason, Case. So why would you uh, – I, I, I'm going to ask you a question here. Why did when this happened that Dragon Gate wrestler leaking to Brian Alvarez not pass your personal smell test or really anyone who uh, actively – covers or follows dragon gate i don't i mean the the email story again this puts me in a tough position because i really i disagree with how brian handled this and it has nothing to do with brian personally i just i i think he swung and missed on this one i have a hard time believing the origins of the email story from what we know about it and it's less about how alvarez was contacted and more so the meat of the story it, you know, we just knew immediately, like, oh, no, no, Nozawa doesn't have booking power. These shows, unless 
it's a seamless transition where if he takes over, you know, let's say May 11th and, you know, dead or alive felt the same as that Cork and Hall show did. And I just don't believe that it, it it is less to do with the origin of the story and more so the substance of the story that I just knew from the start. Uh, this, this can't be right. We would have been tipped off to this sooner or there would have been a, a bigger seismic shift in booking. Right. But uh, talking about this, like I'm of the belief and I have with sourcing and I've even reached out to people that if I were to get my hands on the email that they could tell me this, I am personally of the belief that this email is fake. I cannot definitively prove that this email is fake. I do not say anything to disparage the wrestler that if this is true, they, I mean, understandably so, they would want to reach out and be like, hey, this sucks. And I can't go to Tokyo Sports for obvious reasons, so I'm going to try here. But just with the, the, with the roster involved and with uh, the way that Dragon Gate's different and everything that I came back to and each thing I came back to it, even after Alvarez and Simbervivi went with this, with my sourcing and with your sourcing, in and around the company, everyone to a T called this fake. Everyone, like to the extent that I got someone saying, people are so bored right now about this. Which, I trust my sourcing. They have not burnt me, but that's what I heard about this scenario from when I contacted No, I think that's really fair. I mean, I, I personally believe... And maybe it's just that I'm still annoyed that every once in a while a comment will uh, will come across my timeline about around this time last year, and we never reported that Kaito Ishida was leaving Dragon. I want to make that very clear. But we had reported that there were rumors that Ishida was going to leave, and we knew that because there was an obvious exit strategy in place if he wanted to. I believe there was more legitimacy to Ashita leaving Drangate then than whatever is going on with Nozawa possibly being in power in this email story now. I don't I I, I don't I don't think there's any credibility to this. And I, I, I think at some point we just have to say that it's a waste of breath. I mean there's there's nothing happening here. We were the podcast and Mike specifically, and I I continue to give Mike all the credit for this, not only for this story, which he's been on top of, you know. We were the podcast that was talking about Shima leaving Dragon Gate before anybody. We had sources vet the Kaito Ishida story last year. Dude, I broke uh, Shima leaving. <laughs> that's that's exactly it. That's what I'm saying. You you were the guy. You and the the wrestlers on. Well, I'll leave it there. You were the guy that broke that story uh, last year. We had sources immediately vet the Kaito Ishida thing. We got to the bottom of that. We were the ones that broke that story. Here, we're not the ones that breaking this story, but we are the ones saying that the story is far from correct. Yeah, and there's still a possibility. Like, I, I cannot definitively say this. Like, I was going to get my sister-in-law, who is an actual investigative reporter, asked, like, some of her friend, uh, so some of her colleagues and people who do this thing to look into the email and say, hey, is this something that someone who's, who is not a fluent English speaker would write? Or is this something that you could probably tell would be somewhat machine translated or something? Just to get a sense of uh, this could happen. Because there's one other big thing that I know Larry Dallas has talked about publicly about this entire story that also did not pass my smelt test case which was which was that almost to a t the dragon gate roster without the with the exception of the people that everyone who follows the promotion already knows speaks english so your jason lee's your ho-hos and your ginky horikuchis not fluent in english at all if you want to communicate with all the vast majority of the roster it's machine translation or spanish and usually you go spanish 
Yeah, this is, uh, you know, something that we've obviously encountered in the past. It's not a roster that knows English very well. Uh, there's a reason that the wrestlers that are sent to the English commentary team, uh, English commentary table are those wrestlers. And yes, some of those guys don't speak English. It's not like there's guys waiting in the wings that speak fluent English. At least that's my understanding of it. I mean, I know specifically guys yeah. that don't speak English and the list of guys I know that speak in English at all is very, very small. Yeah, I mean, j- j- just uh, I, our listeners are intelligent, so I just want to challenge people to think about this. When your English commentator has to live translate commentary while calling a match, what does that tell you about the fluency there? Yeah, that says a lot. Yeah, so I have that. I, I guess I am more personally, it, 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 it's a bugbear of me of mine for bigger outlets and hey this name of the game brian alvarez i mean he wrote a newsletter he was a professional so he has his sourcing i just don't think he has the sourcing on this and i think it's greatly irresponsible to just run with this i would say and that's my personal opinion i think that that is something that if you are an industry leader that you should do the work if for me someone who just does a fan cast is able to go and talk to people and do the sourcing before reporting on it when I'm well aware that Brian probably got this over the weekend and he could have reached out for that. And it's not as if there are people in Dragon Gate who aren't familiar with the Observer. That's re- I, I think that speaks really poorly as you, on you as a journalist, personally. That's just me. Yeah, I think there's always just been a lack of care with Dragon Gate. I mean, I said it when it was announced that Master Republic and Kevin Kleinrock got those visas, and I saw press releases all day of Dragon Gate being two words, for three years now, Drangi, you know, is, you know, one word arguably should be all caps. It's it's a different company than what it was three years ago. People brush that aside. And I think, especially in the world of F4W and The Observer, I think there's a culture that still looks at Drangate as a an indie or as this underdog success story that is still really isn't taken seriously. And... I think to Alvarez, it was, oh, here's this thing. Nozawa gains power everywhere. Everywhere. Why wouldn't he gain power in Dragon Gate? But to those tuned in, I think they realized very quickly that this story didn't make any sense. Right, because as we've talked about, if Nozawa has power in Dragon Gate, that's not just like him being Craven. That's something because he's known the roster pretty much since they all were teenagers, Nozawa included, in Mexico. So do I think there's some influence? Probably. Like, and do yeah. I and do I think there's people that don't like Nozawa? Probably, absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I will. The only other thing I'll add in is through our sourcing that it, it would be from our sourcing talking to the wrestlers and people on the roster have called us a non-story and like like to a point that's like I asked like is is someone going to refute this? And the response I got was no one's refuting it because it's not a story. Now. You can be fair and say they could be trying to tamp this down. That's an entirely fair thing to say, and people should be skeptical of that. But like to the T, and until I like, I was not going to go off on this uh, the way I did last night. And in case you were the ones like Mike, you should really do this until like I heard basically that, and then I was like, all right, we're just going to go off on this for the first half hour of today's show. But I'm trying to think of some something else. So I just really and. Uh, originally, I was like, "Why would they contact Alvarez?" When when I discovered they've contacted 
that was the same situation with the personnel's vetting. So this was like a wide swath that was contacted. And that's something that's also with a wide swath like that also makes me kind of wonder in a way about the validity as well. Like just doing like a band shot and with, and this is just, just me thinking this isn't, this is not any reporting here, but with the amount of tribalism we've seen with Japanese promotion amongst international fans, I just, it's something that sticks into my head that makes me wonder about the fishiness of that as well, knowing how much of a fire starter that basically anything about Nosawa is now. Yeah, I will close on this as I've, I believe, expressed every opinion that I have on this. But from the start, it didn't make any sense. The people that we talked to, I really trust, especially in the case of this story. And until noted otherwise on this podcast or on Twitter at Open VoiceGate, I don't think there's anything to this story. Yep. And we just wanted to take some time here to address that. Uh, if you are a Reddit aggregator, do a good job on that. Please post this. Please, please put a link to this podcast. That'd be great. It would be great if you would post this on Reddit. Also, listen to every episode we've ever done. If you like Dragon Gate USA, we've reviewed every Dragon Gate USA show. Plenty of bonus content on this feed. Please put this show on Reddit. And I hope this... In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card... But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like, you know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. 
arenaclub.com slash VOW net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Show finds new people. Absolutely. So, Case, that does it for that thing. But, buddy, it was a Hokkaido weekend we needed to talk about here on this episode of Open the Voice Gate. So, we will be talking the full uh, Hokkaido uh, triple header weekend that they had, the 20th through the 22nd, taking a look at where King of Gate is as it's moving now deep into the second round. We will talk about the second round match from Hakodate that happened yesterday. There was a, another match that happened today in Yamagata that just, it was literally uploaded uh, an hour before our recording time. So we cannot, we just don't have the time for that. And that also included Shoya Sato's uh, homecoming show, or homecoming slash retirement show. So we'll be covering that probably next week. But Case, uh, three nights in Hokkaido, King of Gate. What were your big takeaways from it, Bib? What was that word you just called me? I said bub. I, I said bud <laughs> and bub at the same time. It just came out like a mess, buddy. Came I, out like a mess. It's, it's okay. I didn't want to call you ever that, but I also thought maybe it was uh, Texan or South Carolina slang that I wasn't aware of, so I had to double check. But no, it's it's okay. Uh, it's, it's a Hokkaido triple shot. They're always a ton of fun. I thought these shows had life to them. I thought they were uh, very enjoyable. I would like to know off the bat from you, and I think the best way to tackle these shows is we once again go into, a, into an on-air production meeting is to talk about the King of Gate matches themselves and then fill in the gaps throughout the rest of the weekend. But I want to know up top, your match of the weekend was go. KZ versus Kota Menonora. Of course. I, I would say one of the best matches that I've seen this year. Yeah, just hands down, and... It, I, I think that's like really is the right way for us to look at this is King of Gate and then all the other stuff here. I, I we were talking before we went on air. I have one, two, three King of Gate matches that are notebook from this weekend. It just was an incredible weekend for them in a tough environment for them to have a big show like this. I mean, we've talked a lot about uh, Dragon Gate's expansion, and Hokkaido is not a big area. Uh, through the history of like Japanese for wrestling and it's in a tough spot, but Dragon Gate brought it this weekend and it was really exciting. So I want to talk about the attendance real quick because I mentioned a few weeks ago that you know this is the third triple shot they've run in this building because they they're running out of buildings to run in this area because every time they run, you know, the building logistically doesn't work or the building gets shut down. And we had seen growth uh, from December of 2020 through May of 2021 through December of 2021. Now their fourth stop here, May of 2022. I wanted to see what that growth would look like. And there was growth on nights one and night two. Those were the most attended shows for a, a, a night one and a night two that they had done in these buildings. December of 2021, that final night of that Hokkaido tour, opened the Triangle Gate match with Eita, Hyo, and Kaito Ishida over Big Boss Shimizu, KZ, and UT for the Triangle Gate Championship. That did 437. And the final night of this tour with KZ and Coach Minora did 378. Do you think there's something to look into there? Do you think there's something to analyze? Or do you think that number is so small that, hey, who cares? I think, and we, we talked about Jay. We talked to Jay about uh, their expansion efforts and how Hokkaido is kind of difficult for it. Uh, it it's something where... I mean, that was a title match, but you still had 
a KZ, your hometown guy, and the, and one of the most over people on the shows. Like the crowd did not, the, this crowd did not care at all about clap crowds <laughs> all three nights. And it, it's it's something where I mean, like you had a big title match there, and you look at the lineup they brought to Hokkaido. They brought a small lineup to Hokkaido, so really the the only time they weren't ever going to do a dream or brave gate match here like they would have to do a sky diamond swing gate match i think to emulate that and then you would need to have kz and ut challenging for it to break that number as someone who has been so enthralled with the work that kota Minora has done really since last year's king of gate where we're at a year of this really steady and obvious and notable Minora push I, I thought this was an interesting test for him because we had that 437 number, which was a noticeable jump from what they had been doing. I mean, that triangle gate match clearly was a draw. And I expected, or maybe just rather hoped, given, you know, again, how much I've been into Benora, that we would see a 420 or a 430 or even, you know, growth in that spot. And to be off by you know, 60, 70 fans like they were. I don't know if I would call it a disappointing, uh, a disappointment rather, but it is something noticeable. And I would like to see Menorah in another big spot just to see what those numbers look like, whether it's here in Hokkaido or, you know, Osaka, Kobe, Fukuoka. I'd like to see him in another drawing position just to compare those numbers with whatever headlined uh, before him. I think that's something we can look at going forward because we now have a downward trend with him on top. Right, yeah, and it's something that also if you look at how he did for Dangerous Gate, he did all right as a draw for Dangerous Gate. So he does have this history of picking up and becoming a little bit of a draw. It's just not the case here. So, I mean, that's... And again, this didn't bomb. This was still up over what the final May show of last year did and obviously what they did in December of 2020, their first time here. Just not as hot as that Triangle Gate match was last December. Yeah, no, that that's entirely fair. Uh, so, uh, do you want to talk about Casey Menorah first, or do you want to take take on Night One and just go through chronologically? Uh, I, I want to talk about Casey Menorah, if anything, just to put that urgency in people's minds, given the erratic nature of the Dragon Gate Network. Which, if this is your first time listening to Open the Voice Gate, you want to get into Dragon Gate, you have questions at Open Voice Gate on Twitter or the Voices of Wrestling Discord and the Drangate channel, people would be more than happy to help you out and answer questions about the finicky Drangate network. But I do want to put a sense of urgency behind KZ versus Coach Menorah. If you haven't seen this match, you do need to watch it. It will surely finish in my top 10 Dragon Gate matches of the year. I don't know if it's going to be good enough to finish in my top 10 overall, but this was a thrilling main event. And befitting of this spot capping off a big king of gate weekend like this in kz's hometown with a big kz main event it lived up to the hype of those uh of that setting yeah absolutely so it was something that they worked this at a pace and intensity that emulated the their finals from last year so that was very nice to see and KZ and Hulk, it was their hometown, but they did not the they did not take it easy for their opponents in front of the in front of their hometown crowds because they basically uh Kota Menora and KZ basically spent 13 minutes just beating the snot out of each other. Like just headshots and just going really rough here. And my big like takeaway from this was this was like an edge and a little bit of confidence in Kota Menora, like showing some meanness that I don't think I've really seen in him yet. And that's 
really added to this. Like he was, he was willing to work heel a little bit, and it kind of put the thumb ahead of going, "Oh, he's someone who hasn't had a heel run yet. That'll be interesting when that happens." Okay, if you had to put a disposition on Gold Class right now, are Gold Class baby faces or heels? Baby faces, because Minerita is that over. I believe and i could be wrong i know we have people that listen to this show that are based in japan correct me if i'm wrong but i believe the read on gold class right now is that they are getting more over as heels than they are as baby faces which would make sense with with like the minorita act it's just the minorita act is just so popular i mean our man was out there in a short shirt <laughs> and a, a waistcoat and bow tie like you as detective conan Look, it's it's over with me, brother. I you don't need to sell me on Minorita. It's my gimmick of the year, and I I you know in the same way that we're going to push for Fujiwara to win Rookie of the Year, and you know Strong Machine J maybe most improved we're looking at this year. Uh, Minorita is a lock for my gimmick of the year unless something really comes across my radar that blows my mind. But uh, yeah, KZ worked his ass off here. This was a 13 minute match that had the intensity and the build and the anguish to some degree of a 25 or 26 minute match. And I watched this live. I've watched all of these King of Gate matches unspoiled, which has been awesome. And as we pass that 10 minute mark, you know, this tournament's already had draws. There's already been upsets. And I was really unsure of what the finish of this match was going to be. I ha- I thought this was a, a 50-50 split going in and their work up until that KZ pinfall left me confused and guessing as to what the next move was going to be. This was a masterful job by both guys, two guys at the the top of their game right now, two guys who, uh, you know, I certainly can't name 50 better wrestlers than them. I don't know if I can name 25 better wrestlers than them. These are, these are guys at the top of their game right now. Yeah. It just was some truly exceptional stuff. I went four and a half on this. I thought that this was, this will probably be in my top 10 Dragon Gate matches of the year. And Outside of that, I mean, it might make a claim for my top 10 list. It might be the bottom end, but I I thoroughly love this. Like, this is my match of the tournament so far. Give me, if you, I'll, I'll give you time to pull up your notebook here. If you can give me your top five Dragon Gate matches of the year so far, we're just about at the halfway point of 2022, which is terrifying to think about, obviously. But right now, I have this in my top five. If I went from five to one, it would be Dragon Dai and Yuki Yoshioka versus Eita Yosuke and, San, uh, and Yosuke Santamaria versus Hyo and SB Kento from Champion Gate in Osaka Night 2. It would be this Coach Minora versus KZ match, Dragon Daya versus Takuma Fujiwara from Champion Gate Night 1, the Open the Triangle Gate Championship match from that same show, Kaito Ishida, Kota Minora, and Naruki Doi versus Jackie Funky Kame, KZ, and UT. And then my Dragon Gate match of the year, a match that will finish in my top 10, Kai versus Susumi Yokosuka. Yeah, so Kai versus Susumi Yokosuka is my match of the year right now for Dragon Gate. Uh, then after that, I think it's, I think the... I really love the Triangle Gate match with, uh, uh, with uh, Gold Class versus Natural Vibes. That was one that I thought was really, really special. I think I would put that one number two. Uh, Daya versus Akuma Fujiwara at champion gate for the brave gate title i would probably put, mark that as three i would put this match at four and then a match that i loved i think a lot more than you did i would currently have as my vanity number five and that was the class of 2021 versus the veterans from the uh, january 12th corkin interesting okay so our, our top four is the same we differ on five 
and we both probably have that Kness retirement match uh, floating in the breeze somewhere near that. That Triangle Gate match is so interesting. That Gold Class versus Vibes match was a, it felt like a real uh, fine line of your hardcore Dragon Gate people and your hardcore wrestling fan that likes Dragon Gate. The hardcore Dragon Gate people love that match. You and I were into that. I think Alan Farrell was super into it. There are people that we talked to that love that match, but the people that, you know, love wrestling and also watch Dragon Gate just kind of looked at it as a match. That That's one that's going to be very interesting to look at come match of the year time, how many top tens that finishes in, because I don't think it's going to be many, but for me, yeah, I, I, I have not seen 10 better matches than that one this year. Yeah, no, it, it, it's something that... I, and it also plays into how much I liked that KZ and Young Vibes team a whole lot too, Case. So that was another reason why I was so super high on that. Uh, should we move to the other King of Gate matches? Unless you had anything else to say about KZ and Menorah? Uh, no, just that it was uh, it was a vicious match. And I think it's one that, you know, let's say Drangate came across your radar this week for the first time in a while. Maybe you're used to the company that was, you know, Shima and Yoshino and Doi and Shingo and Tozawa. I think if you watch KZ versus Minora, I think it would be jarring at the size of these guys, their quickness, and how hard they're hitting each other. That was the thing that really struck me about KZ versus Minora was it was a really aggressive, really hard-hitting match that I would I would recommend just diving straight into this. If you're someone listening, and I'm just going to assume, given the nature of this episode, that we, we, we'll we have some first-time listeners and you're going, hey, I don't, you know, I don't know what to check out. Well, check out KZ versus Coach Menorah because these are two guys that are being pushed right now. They're only going to be pushed more in the future. And it was a really good representation of what Dragon Gate is right now in May of 2022. Absolutely. I'm totally with you on that. Uh, moving back to Friday, I, I'm just going to run us through the Friday matches. We first had Kaito Ishida versus Asumu Mochizuki. Uh, Kaito Ishida wins i don't know if i would call it an upset on a cutback uh cradle from a jumbo no kachi gatame i did not love this match i thought it was very much okay a little pedestrian a little bit i was waiting for something to wow me here and what i got instead was a pretty standard affair Susumu Mochizuki versus Ishida match. I mean, this is, you know, something that I could have drawn up and laid out for these guys. Nothing really wowed me here. I don't think, it's not that the effort wasn't there, but I don't think they shifted into their highest gear. It was fine. It was even good, but I wanted it to be great, and it was not a great match. Yeah, I was underwhelmed. I went three and a quarter on it. Uh, it, it it's something where... I think in context of like these weekends, like this probably was the highest uh, output work rate wise, I would say case out of everything so far that they've done with these triple shots. But this was, it, it wasn't that they didn't try. It just was something that like, they didn't kick into that gear. I will say that I did love the stretch towards the finish where it was just high kicks blocking Jimbo no Kachis and, and both of them were just screaming after each time they blocked it. That was really kind of sick. Yeah, that's something that Ishida does really well where, you know, we've seen Susumu do that spot against a number of guys. Masaki Mochizuki has done a similar spot at times with certain wrestlers. Ishida's the guy that I think really makes the most of that where emotionally and physically, he seems to put everything he has into that spot. And, and more often than not in a big Ishida match, that is the turning point where a match can go from good to great. And here I'm with you. I was at, I was at three and a quarter. I, 
I thought it was a pretty pedestrian affair. I thought it was just sort of okay. And there's nothing wrong with that, especially for the opening round of a tournament match. I would have a much different tone if this was, say, the finals of King of Gate. But it was a Shida and Susumu Mochizuki, and I, I would have liked this match to be a little bit more. And I think that's an interesting contrast with the other King of Gate match from Night 1 in Hokkaido. This was Naruki Doi versus BB Hulk. BB Hulk won with one of the most brutal first flashes I've ever seen on Naruki Doi. Uh, Case, I, I kind of want to opine for a minute. Uh, something that I really discovered over the last few years, especially in COVID, is just how much of a genius Naruki Doi is. Like, he is probably one of those people, I know Alex Shelley has tweeted about this, He's one of like those underrated wrestling geniuses, and I felt like he had another one of these performances. I thought this was perhaps Hulk's best performance in years, in my opinion. Okay, I think... Now, I, I like that Dreamgate match versus Yamato a lot more than you did, so... Right, I should say uh, that I did not care for that match at all. Yeah, so I only have to go back to November to not only find a great BB Hulk performance, but a great BB Hulk singles performance. I mean, before that you'd probably be going back to the tag team with Yamato. Would that be the last time that Hulk really blew your mind? Yeah, I liked Yamato Hulk a whole lot. Yeah, I would say that. Like, at least, like, during the heel turn. Like, since the heel turn. So we're talking about since Tri Vanguard, at the very least. Yeah, so Hulk was great here. I I do want to, because you brought it up, spend some time on Naruki Doi for just a second. You know, 18 months ago, when we were going through the Greatest Wrestler Ever project with Alan Forel, I obviously have a lengthy list of Dragon Gate guys that are on that list. I think I finished with 12 Dragon Gate wrestlers that I, I genuinely think are a part of the 100 greatest wrestlers of all time. I think they have the track record now 20 plus years for some of these guys of consistent greatness. And Doi was not someone that made my list in 2016. He is not someone that made my initial list in 2021. But you start to think about the fact that, okay, well, he he was in Speed Muscle, which is objectively one of the best tag teams of all time. And he was in Yamadoi, which, when they were on, peaked about as high as any tag team I've ever seen, just in terms of not only match quality, but having that act down and knowing exactly who they were. And then I think about all the great Doi Brave Gate matches. And then I think about all the great Doi Triangle Gate matches. And then I think about all the Doi, the great Doi Dream Gate matches. And I think about the little things that he does that I really like about how he is one of the greatest tag team wrestlers of all time. And then he does these these trios matches where he's always a big part in them and always oh, a great baby face. And he's a great heel. Oh, my God. Wait a minute. Naruki Doi is one of the 100 greatest wrestlers of all time. And once I came to that conclusion, it was not only that he was on the list. It was the way that he rapidly ascended, you know, from maybe he's my 95 into well, maybe he's in the top 80 to I forget where he finished, but he, he ended up doing quite well. And it's just one of those, it's a Drangate thing where Doi is recognized and I think respected by any wrestler that's ever wrestled him as a very, very, very good wrestler. But even, even a guy like Doi, who most American wrestling fans would associate with Drangate, he's still underrated or underappreciated to some degree. It's this quiet consistency that this entire roster has and Doi embodies that uh, just about more than anybody. So I, I completely agree. I mean, we raved about Doi during the Dragon Gate USA series and the little things that he would do there, these little, you know, 11-minute Naruki Doi singles matches against Sammy Callahan. Uh, or, or What's the Doi match that you love? Was it Doi John and John Moxley? Moxley? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. Doi and John Moxley match. Like, th- this guy 
is in many ways a savant. I mean, he got, you know, it took him a little bit longer than some of his peers to get great. But once he figured it all out, he's able to do things in wrestling that I, I just, I don't think many guys have the tool belt that he has. He's able to do so many little things so, so well. Yeah. So I went four and a quarter on this case. I adored this match. Like this was my match of the night for night one. I was at three and three quarters, but I, I, I give you the floor. I'd like to hear you talk about this match a little bit. I just think that Naruki Toy, someone that he's had a familiarity with for almost, almost 20 years, weird to say Hulk's coming up on 20, but uh, it, it just shows like awareness there. It shows like smartness of knowing what the guy's limitations are, knowing that it's in his hometown and knowing that he was going to have to work heel. And he, tore apart hulk's knee they kept it very very simple but brutal and there was like the double down that happened after the first first flash and bakatari sliding kick that the crowd just erupted for so i just thought that this was just like a piece of magic here and it was the, this was the stuff that i really wanted to see out of the the uh, uh gate of destiny match this was kind of the things that i really wanted to see out of bb hulk and it was something that i just thought was kind of brilliant it was very much a territory doy match, which is, you know, high praise coming from us in the same way that, again, that Moxley match or that Sammy Callahan match where you think, you know, God, this guy, this guy could have wrestled on Crockett. You know, <laughs> this guy could have been a valuable asset to Houston if he would have been of that era. This was a territory doy match where he just had command of the crowd. He had command of his opponent. This, you know, BB Hulk was great and BB Hulk had a great weekend. I love the way they've handled him in King of Gate. He played his part very well here, but this was ultimately a Naruki Doi match, and that is a a very special thing. And a reminder, you know, that's the that's the the crazy thing about this roster right now. They could rely on Doi and Hulk to carry them for a few more years. I mean, a match like this that was this good could have very easily headlined the final night, and the and the entire weekend could have been built around this. It is such a luxury that they still have Doi. With his current health, the, the way that he's able to still go, and they don't really need him for a lot. It's not even his unit. It's Kota Minora's unit, and Naruki Doi is just there as a mouthpiece and as a guy that can take falls like like he did here. So with this win, BB Hulk would face Madoka Kakuta in the second round. We'll talk about that match at the end of the episode. I did not mention after we were talking about Ashida and Susumu. Ashida faces uh, Kaito. Uh, oh, no, he faces Keisuke Akuda. So, yeah, we're, we're getting that rematch happening in the second round. Yeah, that's uh, that's good stuff. Yeah. So moving on to night two, it opened. Actually, hold on, with, hold on. Let me let me sorry. say one thing real quick. Sorry, I you gave me an opportunity to continue to talk. I said yep, and then you moved on. That's my fault. But I do want to bring up the opener on night one, which is on YouTube for free. I have to highly recommend this match. It was Kame, Jason Lee, KZ, and UT versus Diamante Kai, SB Kento, and Shun Skywalker. Three and three quarters for me. This was. Uh, certainly better than Ashida versus Mochizuki, possibly even better than the main event of Hulk versus Doi. This eight-man tag match I thought was ridiculous, and it's on YouTube for free. Go watch it. I I'm glad that you expounded on it because I thought it was pretty good. I was I was three and a quarter on it, but yeah, it's on free. It's free. Uh, should we just talk about random stuff we liked on night one? Judge while we're here before moving on to night two. Then. Is there is there other random stuff that you liked on night one? Because I thought this was the weakest of the three shows. Well, something really important happened in the second match case. 
Uh, you have the floor. Go ahead. So the second match was Kota Minora teaming with Minorita versus Benkei and Takashi Yoshida. Minorita won by countout on Takashi Yoshida. He started doing his running around, and he managed to get him counted out. And then Minorita then said, hey, I just beat you. I want to beat you again in King of Gate. Can I take Big Boss Shimizu's spot? And everyone was like, ah, you're cute. Yes, you can take it. I love it. I love that they found a way to get Yoshida to wrestle a King of Gate match. I was disappointed at the prospect of him getting that opening round by, not because, you know, it means Yoshida's advancing to the tournament, but I want to watch wrestling. I'd like to see Yoshida have a singles match, and the way that they got to it and, you know, the match itself, I thought were very well executed. Yeah, and, like, the other thing that would have been a bummer if it didn't happen was, oh, no, different different bracket, sorry. But, yeah, no, I'm totally with you on it. It was really... Good to see that we got to have that match put in here. Uh, moving on to night two, the opener, which is on YouTube for, for new listeners. The first episode, the first match on every streaming Dragon Gate Network show is on YouTube. Even the ones that are done in English commentary into perpetuity. This was Bing K versus Jason Lee. And Jason Lee won this match with a modified game of death. And uh, I, I was just... I was really ready to come out here and have another huge Jason Lee thing, but the finish was a little slop. Did not hate the finish. Uh, did, did not bother me, uh, really. I will separate this match into a pros and cons column, things I liked versus things I didn't like. The things that I liked the entire match, the things that I didn't like, Jason Lee's ponytail. What are we going to do about that? I mean, you, you know, I mean, he's going to probably change it up. I mean, the not, the vibes guys change up the hairs constantly. <laughs> That's, between the vibes and uh, the vibes guys and Espy Kento, I have to wonder right. what their hair dye budget is. Is that put into their contracts or is that an expense that they have to take care of themselves? That is a fascinating thing to think about. But uh, no, the, the finish did not bother me. I thought it, it was it the cleanest thing. No, but it also didn't detract from my enjoyment of the match. It was what I was hoping a Jason Lee versus Ben K match would look like. Ben looked monstrous. He looked big. He threw Jason around. He looked tough, and, and rarely did he look vulnerable. And Jason had to outsmart this meathead, which in the end he did. So it, the, the story worked for me from beginning to end. Yeah, so I complained about the finish. I was still four and a quarter on this thing. Oh my god, you're I, higher than I was. I was four flat. I was almost four and a half until the finish, but when you get to that that kind of thing, you do have to kind of keep those things in mind when you give those ratings, you know? That's fair. I Yeah, that, that that's very fair. I it, This was, again, I think we're going to get a big tournament from Jason Lee here. I would have been stunned if Ben K had won. That would have actually been one of the most shocking results of all if King of Gate had Ben K gone over here. I think we're going to get even more and more Jason as this tournament goes along. And this match is why. I mean, this was, you know, an elite level of pro wrestling. Ben has been cold. We haven't seen a lot of great Ben K stuff lately. But boy, he has put in the right environment with a guy that can work like Jason. And and not only does Jason look great, but you go, oh, that's right. I really like Ben K. It's just I'm given such few opportunities to celebrate that in this current age but no this was a a great match to kick off the show like mike said this is free on youtube and well worth your time yeah so uh things i loved about it these two guys have awesome chemistry dating back to maximum like these guys have always worked well together i'm just reading my bullet points i have here uh one bullet point i have is jason is just a complete goddamn wrestler 
And he busted, uh, he busted out a Kimura lock in this match. I've never yes. seen Jason do a Kimura before, but he goes, he not only goes to the mat, but he's on his back on the mat doing submissions. That was great to see. Yeah, and the way he worked in the Benkei KO spot towards the finish, it was just sickening. And it just was a really special thing. So go out of your way to go see it. Jason Lee will face the winner of Madoka Kakuta and BB Hulk in the block finals because he advances through the second round due to the Hyo and Dragon Daya uh, double countout. Yeah, good stuff. Good for good for Jason. This was a very great match. Jason's already in the final eight. He's already he he's he's getting there. He's getting there. Uh, the other King of Gate match of the night was uh, Dragon Kid versus Diamante. Uh, this was another not big shocker there of a finish. Uh, Diamante. One with the Vuelta finale, and I thought this was an excellent one. I didn't think it was as good as uh, Jason and Ben, but I thought this was another really strong match. I also went four stars on this. I expected to love this, and I was not disappointed. It was, and, and I think Jay pointed this out on Twitter, it's been a long time since we've seen Dragon Kid get dominated like this, but this was important. I mean, I said, I, I firmly believe Diamante could be in the finals of this tournament. That seems like a route that they're ready to go with him and he's earned it. And this was one of those matches where in the same way that Doi is an underrated wrestling genius, I was watching this match and thinking like, God damn dragon kid is just, he's still so good. And, and the thing that I always harp on with him is because of the injuries that he suffered in the late two thousands, he is not only, you know, he's still flashy, but he had to become really smart. And I like these Dragon Kid matches. You know, this match, I always point to the Flamita match from Kobe World 2014. The Pac match from 2019, I think, is another one. I like these Dragon Kid matches where he really slows down because I do think he is a master of making the most of one or two really big moves. And the finish of this match with the spinning tombstone pile driver and then Dragon Kid's emphatic kick out and then that Volta finale for the finish that registered with me. That was, that was a very impactful finishing stretch where Diamante not only got the win, but he looked like a killer. This was four stars for me. I, I really, really, really liked this match. And Diamante is another guy, you know, we rave about Jason Lee on this podcast. I rave about coach Minora. Diamante is the best kept secret in wrestling. I mean, I'm terrified of an American wrestling promoter getting their eyes on him because I, I think he is perfect for this time and place in this promotion. And it's something about this match also. I was three and three quarters, so basically the same place. Uh, on night one, a Dragon Kid won with the Cristo, his uh, submission finisher, which he does not use very often at all. So then I naturally thought like, oh, he's getting that belt up there. What happens in this match case? Extended Cristo tees. Brilliant stuff. Paying off people who watched the night before with that. And yeah, uh, Dragon Kid doesn't fly around as much, but I mean, he did a damn super Frankensteiner in this match. And, and it was it was insane. I'm so, I was I Hang just time. saw it in my notes. Diamante is such a big guy, especially in the context of this roster. But to do that, that top rope Frankensteiner the way he did was just I, there's it was gnarly it was the 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 visual definition of what gnarly looks like i can't believe they pulled that off as well as they did but it's dragon kid and he has a 20 year career of very very few uh very few blemishes so i i shouldn't be surprised 
Oh, no, absolutely, for sure. I'm with you on it. Like, the only other, like, thing uh, about this match that I thought was brilliant was that jumping, spinning tombstone, doing the marionette. You know, like, of course, Diamante pulling out the move that's banned in Mexico to murder the guy and then powerbombing him to hell. Just like, as Jay said, clean as a sheet. Clean as a sheet. Uh, Diamante, with this, will face the winner of UT versus Yuki Yoshioka to see who advances onto the Final Four as he advances through the second round due to the time limit draw between Takuma Fujiwara and Ishinahashi. And UT versus Yuki Yoshioka was just uploaded to YouTube before we started recording, so I will be watching that as soon as we're done here. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you talked about Kota Minora being one of your guys. You know about me and UT versus Yuki Yoshioka. Come on. Come on. I, look, I said in our preview, that might be the match of the tournament. I mean, it has... It, it's an uphill battle, just given that the fact that it's going to be on a, a, a smaller house show and not in, in Tokyo or even here or in Osaka. But the in-ring of that? Yeah, no, that, that could be the best match of the tournament. Yeah, and they uploaded a full hour for Yamagata. So they have this, there was a tag match, and then they have uh, Shoya's uh, retirement. So we'll be talking a lot about Yamagata next week, I feel like. I would agree with that. So the only other King of Gate match... Oh, before we do that, uh, night two. Uh, any other things really call out to you? I thought this was the most consistent night of the weekend. I didn't have a match here below three and a quarter start. Yes, I really like night two. Uh, I I largely think, watch the opener and the main event from night one. I think you can get through night three pretty quickly. I mean, there's we'll, we'll talk about it there. I, I you know what I, I like night three, but I really like night two. Uh, I love both King of Gate matches. I went four stars on both those. I thought the uh, the six man of Ishin, Kakuta, and Fujiwara versus Don Fuji, Genki, and Susumu Mochizuki was a ton of fun. That was kind of the best version of those rec league six or eight man tag team matches that we always talk about. I thought D-Courage versus High End had ridiculous pacing to it. That was a match that was, it was largely just Dai and Yoshioka versus Akuda. I don't remember Yamato doing much, but that was a really fast-paced eight-and-a-half-minute tag match that I would highly recommend. And then the main event, you know, Gold Class versus Vibes is a winning combination every time. I went three and three-quarters on that. So I really enjoyed night two from start to finish. And if you watch the main event, you get to see our my man's fit, you know? Like, you get to see how, how awesome, Kod uh, not Kodaman, or Minorita looks in his accompanying gear. I thought that that was really funny. Uh, can, yeah, can, you, can you describe the Minorita gear to those that maybe have not seen it? Because I, I got to be honest, it bummed me out. It It is not the look that I imagine <laughs> my man wearing. I like when he's just literally wearing what Kota Minora is. But this new outfit that he's got going on, for the folks at home, what is he wearing? So there is an anime character and a cartoon called Detective Conan, which case you I, I'll describe it, but look this up while you're doing it while, while I'm describing this. Uh, so Minor, Minorita shows up in a comically large bow tie, like comically large, like played for gags, a short sleeve button down shirt that is buttoned all the way up and a gold lame vest over it and then shorts and high socks. It's amazing. I love it so much. Yeah, I obviously did not get that reference. I am not a nerd, but if that's what they're going for, then it works because he does look exactly like this guy. Yeah, uh, I'm surprised you're not aware of that. Conan O'Brien had a full-on thing about how he was going to try to get the creator of Detective Conan to pay him money for taking his likeness. 
Okay, I'm I'm glad that you filled in the blanks on my Conan O'Brien question because I didn't. Re- I thought it was going to be a dumb thing to ask. I didn't want to ask it on the air, but I no, was wondering no. if Conan O'Brien knew who this was. Oh, oh no, he, he he undoubtedly did. I mean, he went to Japan. This was one of his like his uh, when he when the TBS show. Oh, the, still the without borders episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really it, it's really funny if you're a Conan O'Brien fan like I, I am. I'm a giant Conan Mark. I'm a big fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Case, you've gotten your post-recording viewing set up here. It's Yamagata, and then Conan O'Brien goes to Japan. Do you remember that? Uh, I think it was. Well, I, I I don't know if it was. I don't remember what it was. You remember that article that came out a few years ago about how Conan invented podcasting? Yeah, how insane that was. Yeah, yeah that was that was really enjoyable. <laughs> it's twenty eighteen. <laughs> And they're like, you know, Conan's doing this new thing called a podcast. Here's what that is. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> it, it fits him, though, that he would do that, though. It fits him. But, yeah, uh, other stuff on night two for me. Uh, yeah, that Rec League match was really a whole lot of fun, especially the finish where Kakuda turned the backslide from heaven into the hand of God. That was really a lot of fun. And the reason why I think Yamato did not get really involved was because that match happened with Don Fuji right before the high-end versus decourage match. And Don Fuji decided he wanted to mess with a high-end before he went to the back, and particularly <laughs> Yamato. <laughs> yeah, I got to support Don Fuji in his quest to mess with Yamato at any and all times, so well done for him. Yeah, but other stuff on the show, like, it was just all really, really funny. Uh, I do have to mention something happened in, in the one match you did not mention. It was uh, un- unaffiliated versus Zebrats. Uh, they were doing the crowd brawl, and Ginky uh, was walking in the crowd and came across the crowd brawl and just did a deadpan face in the camera. And the camera person moved where the camera was pointed towards Ginky Horiguchi and zoomed in on him. Uh, Joe Gagne got it captured. It's on my Twitter right now it is the funniest thing i've seen in weeks uh, look we don't have the time and i don't have the energy in this episode we want to talk about how naruki doi is a secret genius we want to talk about how dragon kid is a secret genius i have and will continue to shout out genki horiguchi for being a secret genius and more so than any backslide from heaven or booking decision that he could make him staring into the hard cam just proves my point it, it, it was great because the crowd was noticing it was happening and they were just laughing behind him as he was doing this it was a fun crowd. I mean, it's hard to, you know, we're Hokkaido we're two, stuff. that well, and it's we're two plus years in, so I don't want to go like, oh, this was a fun clap crowd compared to other ones because we kind of know at this point, like it sucks, and you know, at least on the New Japan side, there's some good news coming out there about crowds being able to make noise, and we'll see if that trickles it down to other companies, but. I don't know. It felt like it felt like this crowd was pretty jovial and pretty into all of these matches this weekend, which was nice to see. Yeah, absolutely so, and they love their hometown guys, and I and I love to see it. Uh, night three, we've already talked about Kota Minora versus KZ. We do have one more King of Gate match to talk about here, Case. It is the match that was set up on night one. Takashi Yoshida versus Minorita, and Case, the absolute boy did it. The absolute boy advanced after he did his running around the arena spot in a tournament match, winded out Takashi Yoshida and immediately pinned him with the flying takeover to advance on. And he just looked like he was the happiest guy in the world afterward. I think it's really interesting that they had Minorita pin Yoshida instead of just having him win by count out because we're living in the strange reality where Takumi Hayakawa, now known as Minorita, has far more pinfall victories than either of the Ahashi brothers, 
uh, Ryu Fuda or Takuma Fujiwara. And I think that is a, a, a crazy thing, a crazy stat that exists. But him pinning Takashi Yoshida gets him a W in the pinfall uh, column, which is incredible to think. And this one's a legit one. This isn't the stunt one that Kai did at the end of last year. No, nah, I hated that. hated that so much. Right. And like the other thing about the smartness of him, of him doing it with somewhat of a flash pin is that it's like canon that Takashi Yoshida is really susceptible to them from wrestlers way below his station. So completely logical. The match itself wasn't anything, but it was very fun. And the absolute boy did it. And he will face KZ after this. Yeah. The finish was so well done that it made what was a pretty lackluster match before that worthwhile. I think that's a good way of looking at this match. Absolutely so. I'm totally with you on that. So we already talked about KZ and Minora. Minora. Uh, Other stuff on night three. I absolutely adored the uh, Jason Lee and UT versus Naruki Doi and Kaito Ishida tag match. I went four stars on that. I thought that this was... Just like UT and Doi getting in there and just grappling and doing really smart like Yaveo during the start, that that that's it for me. Or Yave, that's it for me. Let me see a, a actually talented Yaveo do stuff here, and it just was kind of understated. But it was a display in chemistry between these four guys who have been in and around each other for the for the better part of the last five years. So a lot of this podcast has been us going back and forth on, hey, we really like this. Yeah, this was really good because one, I think this was a, a very successful weekend of shows and I think they deserve to be celebrated. I'm curious when you look at the night three card, what did you think of BB Hulk, Kai and SB Kento versus Benkei, Kaisuke Akuda and Yamato, the semi main event on night three? So I went three and a half on it. Uh, it's something throughout the weekend where they overuse the crowd brawl a whole lot, but they were kind of smart about it in night three. And this was like the first crowd brawl I noticed. And it was kind of neat to be reminded that KSK Akuda and SB Kento have great chemistry and okay, Hulk yeah, rock yeah. and Hulk rocked Benke on the finish, like rocked him to a point that they were checking on him afterward. Yes. Yeah. I, I really love that Hulk obviously won his Kingdom Gate match on night one and then got the pinfalls uh, in his tag matches on nights two and three. It's a small thing. It's not reinventing the wheel, but it's nice to see wrestling done right in that sense. I really like this six man and it's, you know, a combination of guys where it, it's high ceiling, low floor, not only in terms of output, but just in terms of effort. And I went three and three quarters on this. I thought it was a really loose, really fun almost ECW fan cam style of brawl where, you know, it wasn't That's a vicious. good way to put it. Yes. Yeah, it was, it was fun. It, it was a brawl that had energy and viciousness to it, but it wasn't overly violent. Uh, it wasn't hard to watch. It just had good energy to it. It was a, it was crown brawling that I thought actually helped the match instead of just using it as a crutch. And it, it just stood out to me as, you know, we went throughout this weekend. I obviously, you know, I really liked Ashida and Doi versus Jason and UT. Uh, there were people raving about Diamante and Shun versus Jackie and Kakuta. I, I thought the match was just okay. It didn't it didn't light my world on fire. But the tag match on this final night that I really liked was that six-man, Hulk Kai and SB Kento against Benkei, Akuda, and Yamato. And again, just to reiterate that point, felt very much like an ECW fan cam style of match, which was nice. It felt different compared to everything else on this weekend of shows. Right. When the only match that I have below three stars on this weekend was that uh, Minorita Yoshida match. That's a exceptional weekend. I mean, six hours of wrestling and 
back to back to back nights on these guys. Uh, and, and they were lucky this time that they didn't have like an insane tour beforehand, but they are at it now. Like they have, they do not have a night off until they have Thursday and Friday off. So, I mean, they went straight from Hokkaido to, to Hakodate, which is on Hokkaido Island, to Yamagata and then Niigata today. So, like, they had a pretty tough stretch of matches. And, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of taking the foot off the gas. And I thought that that's really admirable. And it's fun to see because sometimes we have seen that, especially at, across Fukuoka, where we could tell when people are taking a match off, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you could get through if you haven't seen any of the the matches from this weekend, you could watch all six King of Gate matches in just about an hour, maybe maybe even a little less because uh, Minorita versus Yoshida was so short and you could get your fill. You would watch four or five really good matches and you know that could be all you need. But then you dive into some of these multi-mans on the undercard. There was a lot to like on this weekend of show. So it might sound like, yeah, that was good. That was good. Hey, this was also very good, but that's just what this weekend was. I mean, this was an enjoyable set of shows, but a consistent set of shows. There was nothing that bombed here. Nothing died to death. Nothing didn't really work. This was, this was a win of a weekend. If there ever was one. Yeah. And it's something really about this that, I mean, you look at a tournament like this and you kind of expect that like oh you're not in a tournament match you know it's going to be like this but just like the stuff like paying off like oh we're using the match on night one to build up that oh dragon kid is locking in the cristo paying that off here it just was something that for like a three show stretch and i only got a chance to watch these shows really today because i was planning on watching them yesterday but of course the uh, nosawa observer stuff happened instead and i after watching them pretty much back to back to back case, I adored it. I don't feel exhausted at all, which is something that I cannot always say about some of these weekends sometimes. No, that, that's exactly it. You know, we've watched singular Kobe Sambo Hall shows that have been exhausting. I watched three Hokkaido shows this weekend, one of which I watched live and was, if not energized, at the very least felt like I got my fill at the each at the end of each and every one of them. And I came away from night three going like, damn, that was a really good show. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to watch more now. You know, what else can I watch? Is it time to, is it time to turn to Glee? Can I watch a King of Gate match on YouTube? Like I'm, I'm fired up after KZ versus Minora. Oh yeah, no, for sure. For sure. So these shows will be up on the Dragon Gate network uh, for the next few days. The show from Friday, the 20th will go off the network on the 27th. The Saturday show, the twenty first, will go off the will go off the network on the twenty eighth, and the Sunday show will go off on the 29th. For new listeners, that's the usual thing with Dragon Gate Network. You got seven days, and it's on Japanese time, not international time. So, at midnight on those days, it could pull. Pull up your Outlook calendar, build in some time this week. Watch KZ versus Minora if you haven't seen it. <sighs> watch Minorita. Watch the absolute boy thrive. He was thriving. I, I look I KZ winning is the right decision I actually I think Minora beating KZ and, and I it's not one of those things that you would have been able to predict but it's one of those things in the moment where I think had Minora beating KZ it would have been a really bad look for Minora I think the crowd would have turned in a way that wouldn't have been favorable towards his progression but not getting Minora versus Minorita is a little sad I really would have liked to have seen what that match would look like 
I, I mean, just just listening to Coda uh, Men and Oris theme in different time signatures back to back to back. <laughs> yeah, that is for those that don't know, Minorito's theme song is just a sped up version of Kota Men theme song. And when that was pointed out to me, I laughed like an idiot. That is that is why this company is the best. It's it's not the matches, it's not the innovation, it's not the dojo, it's that Minorita's theme song is twice as fast as Coach Minora's theme song, and that is so funny. I'm sorry, but that is so funny. <laughs> it's objectively great. <laughs> it really like, is. Like, I mean, that's true comedy. That that That's not like some of the bad wrestling comedy that you will see in the States or in Europe. That is actual wrestling comedy. No, it's 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 Minorita, it's Danhausen, it's Konomami Chikawa. If you're not one of those three, I want to watch you wrestle. I don't want you to make me laugh. I mean, uh, let's be fair. Natsu Samire might be coming back soon, so she's on that list to me too. Uh, is she a part of the greatest drawing promotion on earth, Stardom? No, she was. She left. Oh, okay. All right. Trouble she, she's paradise. The, yeah, she's the one that heads up that Nomads promotion that popped up. I've never even heard of this. Uh, we are not jumping bomb radio or audio. I cannot get into how this thing was formed, guys. But there is basically like this this independent Joshi promotion that she's one of the figureheads of, and she did an exhibition match because she was really injured and then left Stardom. And she's she's very funny. Like like she's legitimately a one of the funniest wrestlers. Well, I, I trust your opinion not only on wrestling but just on life stuff more than just about anybody. So I will I will throw her on the list of valid comedy wrestlers. There we go. There we go. So we have one more match to talk about this weekend or this episode on Open the Voice Gate. This happened yesterday in Hakutate. This was a second round match, the first second round match of King of Gate case. This was BB Hulk in the town where he went to high school, allegedly, versus Madoka Kakuda. And, and BB Hulk advances on. He will now face, after defeating him, he will, he will face Jason Lee in the block finals to decide who gets advance on to the semifinals after this match. And he won with a with a south road pinning clutch, which is something that even I had to go look up because he doesn't do it very often. And yeah, there's a reason why he doesn't. Yeah, this was uh, a skippable match. You're if if you're like, ah, I'm pressed for time. Do I watch Hokkaido matches or do I watch BB Hulk versus Madoka Kakuta? You're good. You don't need to watch Hulk versus Kakuta. I, this is to me, the weakest match of the tournament so far, not bad, but not exciting by any means, actually pretty boring. So BB Hulk had a really good triple shot. I don't hold this lame singles match against him, but this did nothing for me whatsoever. I would almost say like that this is something that I don't want to call a referendum on him, but we've been talking about this since he returned at Dead or Alive, but Madoka Kakuta might be one of the most uneven wrestlers right now. You're either going to get like something tremendous or you're going to get stuff like this with Hulk. That is that is a very good point. He is someone who even in six and eight man tags right now, I really don't know what version of him I'm getting because, you know, I, I, I thought he looked great against Horiguchi, like you pointed out over the weekend. I, I, I really liked the SP Kento match at King of Gate, but he he had, you know, it was the same thing at Dead or Alive and he had the same... I, dare I say almost a, the same look in his eyes in this match where it's like, oh, that dude's not locked in right now. Like he's not when he doesn't project, he is a, a pretty dry wrestler to watch. He has a charisma that needs to be on for me to get invested in his matches. And he's a, a, at about 50% being on since he returned from injury. And I don't know why that is. It's very un-Dragon Gate 
of him to to have these consistency issues that he's having. I don't think it's a, a massive deal yet. I, I'm more than willing to revisit it come, you know, July or August once we've seen a little bit more of him. But yeah, there is sort of that I, I don't totally know what I'm getting with Kakuta thing every time he comes with a ring right now. Yeah, and it's something that like he has glimpses of just like looking like, oh God, this this guy has the hand of God. He he he's thick and he's gonna destroy you. And then he has times where it just looks like he's just not there. And that's something that, you know, with him coming back, like it was something that with that tag match with Jackie that like he had, there were sometimes he had like the look of how excited he was to be back wrestling and then it's gone. And it, that was the case here in Hakatate. Uh, the one thing I'll say that was really cool in this match, he did this insane electric chair driver that if he wants to have the secondary finish other than the hand of God, it should be that. That looked sick. I left Dead or Alive really concerned about his immediate future, and then six days later, he had an awesome match with Espikento, so I kind of put it in the back pocket, let it go away, and then, you know, we went to Kobe, went to Kaido, he looked fine there, but this was a reminder that it's not all the way there with him yet, and I, I think that will come with time. Again, I'm still very bullish on his future, but you're right. He, on a match-to-match match basis right now, is high ceiling, low floor. You don't really know what you're going to get with him. Oh, yeah, for sure. So... Uh, case uh, we were going to talk about Gleet. I did not get to watch that Gleet show because of everything, but I did want to run through the bracket right now before we get off air. If that's all right with you, yes, I I know we had some people ask if we have time next week. Obviously, we've got a big Osaka show coming up this weekend and some YouTube stuff to cover. I would like to talk about the uh, Shima twenty fifth anniversary match at some point and the L Lindeman versus Shigehiro Irie match that headlined that show. I really would just like to carve out some time to talk about El Lindemann because I think he's at a very interesting point in his career. But that time will come. Let's go over the King of Gate brackets before we go. All right. So, Barris, LEC, or why am I screwing this up here when it's my favorite thing to say, Case? I have no idea. Come uh, on, Mike. Lech, Lech Barrison presents King of Gate 22. How the hell? luck barrison presents king of gate 2022 to decide dragon gates number one championship here's how the bracket stands right now so we have coming up shuji kondo versus uh jackie funky kamei in the upper left hand bracket as well we have kaito ishida versus keisuke akuda so the winner of Jackie funky kamei and shuji kondo will face the winner of akuda and ishida i don't on hand have a date for both those matches but they will be happening over the next few days moving on down to the lower right bracket we have bb hulk versus jason lee and the block decider and the winners of that will face the winners of the other four guys there uh should we spoil the yamagata match or not no because i don't know the winner of it and i don't want to be spoiled so the winner of Yuki Yoshioka versus UT will face Diamante and the decider for the upper right-hand bracket. And then uh, as we move on down to the upper, the lower right-hand bracket, it will be Minorita versus KZ and then Strong Machine J versus Shun Skywalker. So we're now down to a point that we're going to treat this as 12 people are left in the tournament case. Who are you feeling at the end of the round one? God, I, you know, I, I, I got to look at Casey and Jason Lee and Diamante. Those are kind of the guys that I've got 
circled in right now. I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of those guys compared to everybody else uh, that's left. I, you know, I, I said when we previewed this, the winner of KZ versus Minora was going to win the entire tournament. And I still feel pretty strongly in that. I mean, KZ would be making history, I believe, by being the first back-to-back Camp Gate winner. Is that correct? Yes, and AB one of only three, I believe, who have won multiple El Numero Unos, which was the predecessor to Kingate and Kingate. Yeah, it just, it, it seems like KZ versus Diamante and Jason, Jason versus Ashida. Is that, is that the block final there? It, could you see that? Oh, no, is it, that it's realistic? Versus Ish- it, it's, it would be, for a semifinal match, Ishida versus Jason, yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's Jason versus Hulk, and then the winner of that would wrestle some combination of what, Jackie, Kondo, or Ishida? Ishida or Okuda. Yeah, yeah, and it's not going to be Okuda. Yeah, so I, you know, it, it to me, the final four right now is looking like Ishida, Jason, Diamante, and KZ, and I, you know, I, God, I just, that seems crazy. But that's that's what makes the most sense to me right now. With KZ winning, I guess I guess against Jason, would a, an all vibes final make sense? I think all vibes might be a little too soon to go with that. Uh, I still have three of my four semifinalists left. I don't have my winner. We're not having a season uh, a summer veta right now, but I still have uh, taking that bracket out of or that block out of it. I still have Diamante, Jason, and Shuji Kondo going to the semis. So, the a- problem a- about answer, that... answer me this. Answer me this. Sorry, idea, real quick. Answer me this. Sure. I- is Shun Skywalker versus Jason Lee? Is that the finals? Are we just overthinking this? I think that's the finals. Now you mentioned it. Yeah. God, that'd be great. I would love if they did that. Yeah, but then you the have... the, I- the issue is that you've got to have Jason challenge for Kai. That's not a Kobe World match. That's not. Yeah. Yeah. And then you, and you, can, talking... and you can't. I mean, I don't think you can have Shun win. I mean, look, I would love that if they want to turn Kai babyface and just have Shun, um, you know, boot him. Yeah, that'd be great. I just don't, I don't see that happening. But Jason yeah. versus Jason versus Shun from a storytelling perspective to me is the most interesting thing they could do here. And if you think about it, then like Jason has already gone through Benkei. He will have to go through BB Hulk. That's a Zebrats guy. I mean, doesn't necessarily have very many Zebrats guys on his side of the bracket, but going against his aggressor, and it's just something that, like, we got a lot of really good storyline things. So if we, if Yuki Yoshioka beat UT, then we get Yuki Yoshioka versus Diamante, the guy who took Dragon Dia's mask. That's insane. Yeah, there, there's there's it, this King of Gay tournament so interesting because every one of my predictions has been wrong. And yet I'm thoroughly enjoying the tournament. The only one I got right was Yoshioka versus Yamada, which I'll bring up for the rest of the calendar year. I felt <laughs> so good about that. But uh, that I, I, you know, we cover this promotion closer than anybody. And I truly have no idea what direction they're going. And I think that's great. I mean, we've got, you know, what, two full rounds left. And it, there's, a you know. There's a there's a few different directions this could go, which is really exciting. Oh, absolutely. I'm totally with you on it. And you know that the cool thing about this is that next week we will have the Osaka number two show to talk about, and we'll have the matches 
from Yamagata and Niigata. And I think there's one more place that they were also doing King of Gate stuff that I'm not pulling up at the second. So I mean, they are, are they are running on the 28th. They are running in Okayama. Okayama. Oh, so that's going to be a big thing for Sachi then. Yeah, I, I'm. My guess is we will get the Kondo versus Jackie and Ashida versus Akuda matches there. That's where it would fit into the calendar, but uh, that is not confirmed as of the time of this recording. No, no, no. Yeah, I think you're right about that. But, but I think that's all I've got for today's show. Do you have anything else you want to hit on before we get out of here? Uh, no. I'm gonna try to watch that Osaka number two show live. I can't make any promises, but if I watch that live, I'll be tweeting from the at Open the Voice Gate account at Open Voice Gate on Twitter. Uh, so that should be fun. I, I listeners of the show know for some reason I get really excited when they run Osaka number two. Their shows in that building always seem to deliver. And especially their King of Gate shows in that building always seem to deliver. So I'm I'm really bullish on the direction of the company. Obviously, that first week of June, you've got the Toriyaman reunion show and the King of Gate finals. So there is a lot to like right now in Dragon Gate, a company where Nozawa is not booking. Yeah, just to be clear, he is not booking. He might have some <laughs> if we, influence. If we, if we hear something else, we'll let you know. But right now, he's not booking. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. Uh, Case, I just think you love Osaka. I, th- I think you just want to hang out and don't tell Bori. Right now, that's the big party district. I think that's kind of your vibe. I mean, that's where Osaka Pro used to be based out of. Yeah, it'd be great. It's, you know, Chicago's fine, but I moved to Osaka on a heartbeat. I, 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 you know, I have this dumb thought where I've been watching Japanese wrestling for so long, and especially Drangit, which is a talk-heavy promotion, that in my mind, I'm just going to be watching a Naruki Doi promo one day, and it's all going to make sense. I'm just going to pick, <laughs> I'm just going to pick up Japanese through osmosis, let alone like we have a mutual friend who has a Japanese tutor and has been studying this language for numerous years now. And he's like, ah, oh, it's the hardest thing I've ever done. Like, it's so, it's so hard. I can't, I can't figure it out to save my life. <laughs> and that's the thing is like, I'd, I'd love to not be in America at some point, but the language barrier is a, is an issue. Um, I think about that a lot. I think about that a lot. I, I mean, if you're, if you're going to be picking up on anyone, I think Naruki Doi is the one to pick up on, you know? Like you're gonna learn all kinds of fun, like slang that way. I look, Drangit has wrestlers that are my age. Like, I, there's no reason I can't be homies with the class of 2021. Me and Fuda, me and Fujiwara hitting the town late nights in Osaka. I'd love to. That'd be a great time. <laughs> Case lows, Osaka nights. <laughs> hey, hey, we're we're a few months away from that happening. When when Case Low and Mike Spears take Japan. 2023 whenever i get fired from my current job i it's it, it's very funny in the radio industry i unfortunately know a few people that have lost their job recently and the first thing they do is travel internationally and i just think like oh man when that axe comes i am i am so quickly going to japan <laughs> it'll be like oh yeah mike i'm gone for a couple of weeks i'm going to japan i lost my job I, Bye. I, I, I want you with me i'm trying to take you in 4l that's my that's my uh my dream japanese trip I, I and mean, I, of course, and of course, I mean, I mean, Sarah, not Alan. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I, I mean, Alan, we know we'll bring a ham sandwich through security. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's going to get distracted by a lids at the airport. <laughs> hey, I need I still need to send him another Miami hat. But I think that's going to do it for us this week. As Case mentioned, you can follow us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. Case is at underscore in your case on Twitter. I'm at Fujiheya. Thanks for listening to Open the Voice Gate. We'll be back next week talking more about King of Gate and maybe some Gleet too. Take care.